conductive wire And you were so electric I had no say when you came so near And just passed right through me Hey everyone, welcome to Geekdom is Back. Today I am joined by Matt Singer to discuss his book, Spider-Man from Amazing to Spectacular. It's a fantastic look at the comic book history of the character, but before we dive in, Matt, could you introduce yourself to everyone? Uh, Yes, you said my name, so that's my name, Matt Singer, Yeah, and um, uh, my day job is working mostly as a writer about film. For this website, Screen Crush, I, I loved comics as well. Kind of my first love, really. And I uh, was very fortunate enough to get to write this book about my favorite superhero and comic book character, Spider-Man. Yeah, so we're just going to go ahead and dive right in. I want to get a feel for what your history was like with Spider-Man prior to the book. When do you recall first picking up a Spider-Man comic? In terms of a, a specific comic, I, I don't know exactly how old I was. I definitely was into the character even before I ever saw a comic book. I first fell in love with Spider-Man when he was on The Electric Company, which was this old PBS show. It was kind of like the sister show to Sesame Street, but it didn't have quite as long a, uh, a life on television. Although I think they, they maybe brought it back once or twice. But uh, when I was a kid in the early 1980s, the show may have already been sort of technically canceled or stopped production, but they still aired the show. And Spider-Man had like a recurring feature on the electric company. This guy in a in a Spider-Man spandex costume would come out and they he would it was a sort of um, a way to teach kids about reading. He would never speak out loud. He would have like word balloons appear on the screen, and that would encourage kids to kind of read what he was saying. And uh, I, that, that was how I first discovered Spider-Man. You know, we'd, we'd watch cartoons and, and things like that. Um, there were no Spider-Man movies at that point growing up. And yeah, when I would go to the grocery store with my mom or something, maybe I, if I was good, she'd buy me a Spider-Man comic. And then when I really got into <laughs> the, 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 the comics in a really deep and obsessive way was when I was 12 years old which would have been, I guess I was uh, 11 years old at the time. I turned 12 that year. It was 1992, which was the 30th anniversary of Spider-Man. And they had all these 30th anniversary issues with fancy holographic covers, which when, I, when you're 11 years old seems really cool. <laughs> and I was particularly into the Amazing Spider-Man issue of, of those. Um, so I started collecting Amazing Spider-Man after that. And that was sort of when I really became kind of obsessed with the character. Yeah, it's funny. My introduction to Spider-Man would have been the Tobey Maguire movies. And I don't want to age you here, but I was born in 92. So I wasn't really into the comics until much later than you were, basically. And in fact, it was much later in life for me. It was once I had my own apartment, you know, I was working full time and I could buy myself comics because they were never really something I asked for as a kid. I was always playing video games. So I had known who Spider-Man was, obviously, before that. It's one of those things where there are certain superheroes you just know about you know it's like it seems like everyone is born knowing who batman is and characters like spider-man too because they've had such a long history especially since their origins in the comics and it's amazing to see when people 
get into certain characters because it can happen so many different ways, especially today, given how many different formats you can watch Spider-Man in, you can read Spider-Man. And, you know, to pick up this book and just get to see that comic book history in much shorter form than going through and reading all of the comics, which I actually started to do chronologically when I was editing for fan-sided's Spider-Man website, whatever a spider can. And it's just nice to sort of get this compact book in comparison to the lengthy history of the comics and then be able to see from start to finish or, you know, at least present day where the character is and the new characters who have been added. So as far as the book goes, what was that process like? Did you reach out to Marvel? Did they reach out to you? How does something like this come together? So the book is licensed from Marvel, but it's it's published by another company called Insight Editions. Okay. Basically, I had worked for them on a couple of smaller projects, like contributing uh, essays to to parts of books, and um, have been really wanting to write you know a book for a long time. And I just happened to reach out to them about a different idea um, right around the time that. They were looking for someone for this book, looking for someone to write this book, and um, asked me, well, we have uh, this, this uh, Spider-Man project. Would you be interested in, in writing that? And I have never answered anything quicker <laughs> in my life. The keyboard was smoking. I was typing so fast to write back like, yes, 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 because I, you know, this is really like a absolutely something that I would have, you know, I would have loved to have done under any circumstance. And it just worked out um, really nicely. But yeah, Insight has done a bunch of these sorts of books, these kind of oversized you know, basically coffee table books about the history and also the artwork of, I, I think they've done DC ones as well, but I, I've only really read the Marvel ones, but they've done, I know they've done Black Panther and Black Widow and Guardians of the Galaxy and probably a few others. And so this was kind of the the Spider-Man uh, entry in this sort of unofficial series. They're, it's not like a, uh, you know, a series where they're all technically, you have to read them together or anything like that, but they're roughly the same size and format. And, you know, if you had them all, they actually kind of display very nicely together because they're, you know, basically the same dimensions and, and length and, and stuff like that. But yeah, that was, that was how it happened. Just very, very fortunate on my, on my part to ask, uh, someone at the, at the right time. Glad I did. Otherwise, uh, wouldn't be having this conversation. Yeah, that's awesome. And I can attest to how big and heavy these books are because, you know, in <laughs> size, they're not that thick, but because of the comic book art, you know, there's a lot more ink. So the pages are more dense. And it's one of those things where I was trying to read it and it's, you have to kind of find the right position to sit and read it <laughs> because <laughs> it's so big. But I love books like that because you get a much better look at the art because it is bigger than even a comic book trade. So you're getting maybe some details that you necessarily didn't see before and you just get to see it a little more, I guess, in depth in that way because you're also going from, you know, the beginning of Spider-Man to the end. So you don't have to pull out a bunch of single issues off your shelf or a bunch of trades off your shelf to see the differences. It's all wrapped up nicely in one. So did you have to do a lot of reading before or during the process of writing this book just so you kind of knew exactly what you were going to say about each of the different runs that you talked about and the eras? Or did you have enough of a history of Spider-Man already in your head to where you didn't need to read necessarily as much as 
a normal person would, let's say, to talk about Spider-Man at length? Uh, It's a bit of both. I mean, I definitely had decades of research already done um, just by reading, you know, pretty much nonstop since I was 12 years old. So that absolutely helped, especially just like in terms of, you know, like uh, conceptualizing the book, outlining the book. I didn't have to do a lot of uh, reading to kind of uh, figure out the structure of it. That was pretty easy to do yeah. without reading. But then, of course, you know, even even reading as many as I have through the years, there was tons that I hadn't read. You know, nowadays you have the amazing like the Marvel Unlimited app, and they're not paying me to say that. It's an incredible like sort of way to read through the history of of these characters. That's exactly how I'm doing it. I found right. the history of Spider-Man posts that Marvel did on their website, and I wrote them all down in a notebook so I could check them off as I go. It's been a, quite a while since I have returned to it because I was turning it into a feature for the Spider-Man website I mentioned earlier, and I left that site, so then it kind of slowed down. I moved from California to Colorado, and you know, life just kind of got in the way, and it's a lot to take in to read Spider-Man chronologically, you know, issue by issue, because you're jumping around so much too. It's not like, oh, hey, just read this entire amazing Spider-Man run. And then you can go to everything else. It's like, here are a few issues of Amazing Spider-Man, then you're going to read, you know, something like Web of Spider-Man and all these other tie-ins, you know, the Avengers issues that he appears in. I'm even doing stuff like that. And it is certainly quite the task. Maybe one day I'll get caught up. And I have read more recent runs, but it's just one of those things where it's so fascinating to see how the character has progressed by reading chronologically. Right, right. As a fan, I was I, I enjoy reading on there. And then it was so useful um, writing the book because I didn't have to buy trades. I didn't have to look back in my own long boxes full of issues to find specific things. Although actually, I did have to do that once or twice for stuff that wasn't on the Marvel Unlimited app. But for the most part, you know, I could just go there and read the stuff I was looking for. But what I was saying was basically like, you know, when uh, there that didn't exist, you know, when I was growing up, we didn't have anything like that. Yeah. The first thing that even came close to that, I think was around the year 2000 or the late mid mid 2000s, somewhere in there, they released like on CD-ROM. It was like <laughs> the complete amazing Spider-Man where it was like the first 400 issues, maybe it was a little more than that at the time. And like you, they were all on disc and I think you could even like, basically, I think they were like early PDFs and you could download them all onto a folder. So you didn't have to like carry around the disc necessarily, but you know, that was it. Or before that, you know, I have still in my parents' house, I have like the, I think they're called like the essential Spider-Man collections, the black and white okay. giant trades where uh, back then it was like maybe 15 bucks and you would get. 20, 40 issues, whatever it was, but no color. You know, that was the only affordable way without buying the original issues, which was not affordable, to read all those books. So, you know, there's a lot of earlier things that I just never got to read, you know, and and like you said, you know, it's one thing to have like the amazing Spider-Man on a CD-ROM, but that doesn't include spectacular Spider-Man, Marvel team-up, web of Spider-Man, adjective-less Spider-Man, all this stuff. So there was definitely some things that I had to read doing the research for the book, there was also things that I wanted to like reread to have fresh in my mind, um, to be prepared when I was interviewing people because I did a a bunch of interviews with Spider-Man creators. And so I wanted to absolutely make sure that, you know, I had my details right, that I had storylines fresh in my mind, that I could talk to them, you know, knowledgeably and, and, um, and all that sort of thing. So yeah, I did have a ton of Spider-Man 
reading already under my belt, but I, I'm sure if I counted the hours, I spent more hours probably reading and rereading Spider-Man comics, you know, doing research than I did actually writing the, the book itself. And how long would you say that process was of, you know, getting this idea from the publisher for the book to when you turned in that final manuscript to them? It wasn't that long. I don't know the exact timeline, but it wasn't more than four or five months. That seems very fast. <laughs> from getting the green light to delivering the, probably like like four months for the first draft. And then you know, there were other big tasks involved after that. You know, there was some there was some rewriting, there was some editing, and also like you know, choosing all of the images in the book, captioning all the images in the book. But the 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 actual writing of the book, the manuscript, the first draft, uh, from start to finish, it was yeah, probably about four months. Yeah, that definitely seems like pretty quick turnaround, and I'm only vaguely familiar with the publishing world just because I have, you know, received review copies ahead of time and things like that. But as far as getting something like this out there, what does it mean to you to have this Spider-Man book that you wrote out in the world now? Uh, I'm really happy with it. I can't, I can't speak to uh, what anyone else thinks about the book, but um, I'm very, very happy with the finished product. When I uh, kind of went into it, the way that I looked at it was, God, I keep saying when I was a kid, like I'm 75 <laughs> years old. But um, one of the ways that I really fell in love with comics as a, as a kid, um, and again, this was, you know, pre, the internet barely existed. I think by this, you know, with the time I'm talking, I probably had like an AOL screen name and I was hanging out on uh, X-Men message boards all day. But, it, you know, there wasn't Wikipedia. There wasn't uh, Marvel Unlimited. There was, it was difficult to to learn a lot of the history of, of these characters and these stories. Um, and so one of the ways that I did kind of do that was they, you know, buying like or getting as birthday presents a lot of years from my birthday, I would get like these big oversized uh, coffee table books, history books about Marvel, you know, like there's one by Peter Sanderson, I think called Marvel Universe. There's another one that's, I think, just called Marvel. Five Fabulous Decades of the World's Greatest Comics by Les Daniels. That one, I, I and I and I had more. I had some on DC. I, I, I would reread and reread these books over and over. My copies that I, I had and still have are just, they're just totally torn to shreds because they were very well loved. And, and um, I never had one, though, that was specifically just about Spider-Man. And, um, so sort of my goal, even though that wasn't necessarily the, you know, like stated, like the publisher didn't tell me this, but in my mind, what I was doing was creating a book for anyone, certainly who wants to read about Spider-Man, but really the book that I would have loved to have read when I was, you know, 15 years old or whatever it was about Spider-Man, the, the one that could have gone on my shelf with those other books. And I, I feel like, you know, I think the book really does that. I feel like it's a really solid overview and introduction to the characters, ju just about the comics. You know, we don't really talk about the movies or right. games. I would be happy to write a book about any of those things too, you know, a sequel someday. But really the book is just about the comics, which is fine because there's way more that could be fit into just one book just about the comics. But I do think it's a pretty solid overview. Um, I got to talk about this character that I love and, and that means a lot to me and try to kind of express why that is and why he's important and why he's special and interview all of these incredible 
talents who worked on him and who were also really giving with their time and had a lot of really interesting things to say. And uh, yeah, and again, put in a lot of my favorite artwork and images and covers and panels that are all in the book. So uh, for a huge lifelong Spider-Man fan to kind of get to make this book that's kind of like what Spider-Man means uh, to me, I mean, yeah, I'm, 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 it means a lot to me. I mean, I, and I am, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty happy with uh, how it turned out. It feels like one of those books that is sort of perfect for any kind of Spider-Man fan, whether you're a beginner, obviously, then there will be some spoilers as to who dies and when, but it's a little unreasonable to think that anyone who wants to get into Spider-Man comics is going to go back and start from the beginning because not everyone is as crazy as I am probably and going to go do that and do everything, even the tie-in issues that, you know, Spider-Man appeared in. And there's also stuff in here for the diehard Spider-Man fans because you are interviewing the creators. So you're getting this insight that you can just read all at once from creators from different eras. You know, you have Dan Slott more recently. You have J.M. DeMatteis. I don't know if I pronounced that correctly, but <laughs> I always struggle with comic book creator names because I only ever read them and never speak That's them. That's right. Yeah, no one knows how to pronounce any of their names. Yeah, they're, exactly. They're just words on a page, so it's difficult. I think it's DeMatteis, but DeMattis. You know, I, okay. I wouldn't uh, bet my life on it either because uh, I'm in the same boat. One of us is probably close or right, so there's that at least. And I just think that getting those different perspectives from people who wrote or drew or colored Spider-Man in these different eras is something that you don't see all in one place. Usually you have to go to, you know, 20 different websites to find 20 different interviews to get this whole picture. And it's something that I just had a ton of fun reading and to stray away from the book a little here and hit you with maybe a hard question, maybe an easy one. Because there's so much history with this character, do you have a particular story arc that you really love or a favorite run from one of the creative teams? Yeah, it's hard to pick just one. <laughs> you can pick like top three if you'd prefer. I mean, if you read the book, a lot of the stuff that I focused on are, are, are my favorites and, you know, uh, not exclusively. There are stories that I think are important historically that maybe aren't as much my favorites that mm -hmm. are in there as well. But I mean, to me, it was the thing that kind of staggered me doing the research as much as I had read, um, uh, a Spider-Man comics, my whole life was just like how many really good Spider-Man comics there are, you know, like there are these famous runs of the character, that people, fans talk about, you know, you mentioned Dan Slott had an incredible run on the book for quite a long time. You know, of course, people talk about Stan Lee and, and Steve Ditko and John Romita and Jerry Conway and Roger Stern. And even, you know, you, he you hear these runs and you read them and you go, yeah, they're great. But then if you, you know, you can just, you know, I was doing all this research trying to find the things that are maybe less famous less well-known because you want to, of course, you want to include the really important stuff, but you also, you know, kind of like what you were saying, for the, the more knowledgeable, more hardcore fans, you also want to throw things in that either they don't know or, you know, they're the only ones who know and you want to give them that uh, kind of satisfaction to, to say, oh, yeah, you know, that th this is in there too. That's, you know, this is something that I thought I was the only one who I appreciated it. And so, you know, reading some of the less famous stuff sometimes gave me more pleasure. For an example, like a run that I read 
mostly for the first time for the book. I had read individual issues here or there, but it w- wasn't something that I was, you know, encyclopedic about or that anyone had ever told me you have to go back and read this run the way, you know, reading message boards or reading reviews or whatever, you would hear people say, oh, well, the Roger Stern Spider-Mans, those are the best, or the Jerry Conway stuff is amazing, or, you know, oh, the Bendis Ultimate Spider-Man, which I was reading when they were coming out. But like, Mm -hmm. you know, those names get thrown around. But the stuff that I really loved reading for the book that I hadn't read all of the first time I was reading these comics or that I just missed along the way was I loved the early Amazing Spider-Man issues with the black costume when it's Spider-Man was Peter Parker in what would ultimately become Venom like the suit and that's mostly by Tom DeFalco and Ron Friends and that was a run that I hadn't really heard a lot of people talk about before no one had ever like encouraged me to read them you have to find these and I had read a couple you know like the very first issue with the black costume I had a copy of but uh, when you read those books as a whole they're fantastic they have a lot of really wonderful characterization. I love the version of Peter Parker in those issues. They're the team that really created the version of Mary Jane that um, sort of persists to this day. The one that kind of peeled back the the layers of, you know, she was always depicted as kind of the, the party girl. And they were the ones who really showed this other side of her and um, revealed this kind of tragic backstory that she had. And also that she had always known that Peter was Spider-Man. And kind of created this very interesting dynamic between the characters, even before they got together, where they know each other's secrets. And Mary Jane, once you learn all this stuff, she almost has her own secret identity. You know, she almost has her own mask that she wears. That's sort of um, the outcome there and the thing that kind of makes those characters really interesting together at that time. So that's one run that I really enjoyed. I would also encourage people to check out, you know, again, on that Marvel Unlimited app, if you have that. That's a great run to read through on there. They're all on there. And I think it's either, uh, just off the top of my head, it's like amazing, I want to say either 251 or 252 is the first one, the one with the black uh, costume on cover. It's like kind of an homage to the original Amazing Fantasy 15 cover, but with mm-hmm. the black costume, Spider-Man. And just start there, and it's a great uh, run. I love that those books. Yeah, I will also sing the praises of Marvel Unlimited because that's how I've done most of my reading. I actually geeked out and did an episode just on Marvel Unlimited because they have been doing such a nice job of not only getting a ton of comics on there, but they fairly consistently update the app so that you can, you know, bookmark things in a new way. You can add stuff to your library, which mine is probably overflowing. I should probably go back to that app and continue my Spider-Man reading, get a few things out of there. But it really is a fantastic way to dive into the history of any character in the Marvel comics, because there are just way too many that you can't even find at a comic book store anymore, unless Marvel is doing these new trades or these new big omnibus editions of the older comics. So it really is a fantastic resource. And I can only imagine, you know, it made your life way easier while you were writing this book. Yes, it did. Although I have to say, you know, um, as I look at it now, and, uh, you know, you're mentioning the other ad, they always, every week, they add new new stuff every week. And the, mm-hmm. the newer issues are all from 
six months ago this week, but then they also do add uh, interesting older vintage stuff a chunk at a time. And there was one week where they added a bunch of issues that were not <laughs> that weren't on there. It was mostly it was the stuff um, from the very end of the Clone Saga with okay. uh, Ben Riley's Spider Man and the the issues where uh, you know like I think it's. Uh, Peter Parker, Spider-Man 75, like the very, the very last issue of that storyline was not on there when I was writing the book. And so that was one that I did have to go back and dig out my old issues. And so when, uh, when I saw it pop up, uh, on there, you know, a couple of months later, I was like, you couldn't have added this. Uh, it would have helped me. Thanks a lot. I had to go through hundreds of comics to find my copy, but that's okay. Yeah. But yeah, it's great. Yeah, and I'm glad you mentioned Ben Riley because in your book you do mention the other spider characters. You have Spider Ham, Spider Gwen, you have Miles's Spider Man mentioned in there, and Marvel has done a very nice job of taking these characters that are so rooted in the company's history and bringing them into the present day. You know, when you first start reading The Amazing Spider Man, Aunt May is sort of portrayed as this fragile old lady, which I never really understood given that everything that lady has gone through, and I know that's something that is brought up in the book, but they've done a much better job, especially lately, of diversifying their comics and bringing characters in. But for Peter Parker's Spider-Man in particular, they've even done a nice job of just advancing his storylines to keep up with present day or futuristic storylines, given the kind of tech they put into their comics. So where do you see the character going in the future? Do you see Marvel just continuing that? Or do you see a potential story where they give Peter Parker a rest and focus more on these other spider characters they've brought to life? Well, I mean, they already did give Peter Parker arrest for a little while. They, True. Uh, they killed him off for a few years and then, of course, brought him back. Nobody's ever truly dead in the Marvel Universe. No, of course not. No. I've been reading um, comics long enough that I always look at them as a, as a cyclical thing. You know, the characters tend to stray from the core concept in interesting ways, and then they always inevitably seem to return to something like that iconic depiction of the character. And it's fun because you get to see different iterations of the characters, see the characters in, in unfamiliar environments, uh, see them interact with new characters, like some of the ones you mentioned, which are all wonderful. Um, and we do cover quite a few of them in the book. The last chapter of the book is basically like the Spider-Verse chapter, not necessarily the movie, but the comics, and all the different characters that have kind of spun off from Spider-Man. Uh, but yeah, inevitably, they seem to always kind of return in some ways, in most ways, to that classic, iconic depiction of the character that we all seem to know. And, um, you know, I, I don't necessarily see that changing anytime soon based upon the way that Marvel works and, and how the comics industry works and who's reading these comics. To me, it seems like that's the way it's been going for uh, quite a while, and I, I, I don't see any indication that it's going to change any anytime soon. I think the way that it changes is, you know, sort of what you're saying is you can bring in all these these new characters, you know, like Miles and Spider Gwen, and and um, you know Ben Riley coming back, and all of these other different takes on the concept from a you know from a new angle. Mm -hmm. Do I think uh, Peter Parker is ever going to go away? I, no, probably not. I mean, you, you, 
earlier mentioned something about, you know, he's he, Spider-Man is one of those characters that it seems like people are just born knowing who it is. Yeah. And, you know, I've seen with my own, I have two little kids and I, you know, there's something about the character that even before you can, and, and this is something I experienced in my own life. And now I'm seeing it again, you know, through my ki- my kids' eyes is like, you know, when you're two years old, you don't know about being bullied or being picked on or, you know, any of the things that make Peter an interesting character, you know, the costume is beautiful. Um, and there's a reason that that hasn't really changed very much in 50 plus years, you know, and the, the way the character moves is so interesting and dynamic and, you know, all of his exotic powers, there's something about those that are very intriguing and appealing, you know, the, the swinging and the webs and the sticking, I don't know what it is, you know, it's like, yeah, <laughs> there's something about the character that speaks to people, given the state, uh, the wild popularity of Marvel characters in general, you know, you, you can't imagine the, the, the company, the characters going anywhere anytime soon. And, and as you said, people love, they just love Spider-Man. Right. Uh, I, I can't envision a future where Peter Parker is not around for anything more than a very brief, uh, rest, uh, and I think, uh, and that, and that's fine with me because I, having read these comics for decades and reading, you know, so many of them again, or for the first time for the book, it's not something I've gotten tired of reading, reading yet. It's something that seems, I don't know, it just seems it's endlessly renewable. You know, it's something I tried to talk about in the book too, is like the characters like values, they have a lot of meaning. And so the combination of that, that that beautiful costume, those incredible powers. And then once you're a little older, sort of digging into the kind of morality tales and the, um, the coming of age side of it, there's something very powerful in that and something that doesn't really age, you know, beyond, uh, the, the costumes or the, 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 you know, the, uh, the fashions of whatever the characters are wearing at that particular time. Other than that, like, you know, you go back and read those Lee and Ditko issues they hold up amazing. You know, yeah. they really do. Um, so yeah, I, I can't, I'm def, I'm never good at predicting, but I wouldn't, I would definitely not put any money on a future without Spider-Man. Yeah. It's one of those things where they found creative ways to constantly keep Peter around in different capacities because he has his background with science. He has his background in photography. So sometimes, you know, he's a photographer just trying to get by. Sometimes he's like this tech millionaire because he's just so good at all of the science and tech stuff. So I think they've done a very good job of keeping you guessing as to what situation they're going to put Peter in next. And yes, obviously, you have those moments that sort of harken back to some of the older comics, or it might feel like some storylines are rehashed a little, but I think they're still putting enough new stuff in the comics to keep it exciting and keep people coming back for more Spider-Man comics. And, you know, at any given time, you can have somewhere from, what, one to three Spider-Man titles going with Peter Parker as the focus? Uh, yeah, at different times, there's been even more than that. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I mean, he's, he's, uh, he's got, a, there's a lot of comics. Yeah, that's why <laughs> it's going to be an expensive hobby, but that's why a book like this is nice. It's a nice, uh, you know, introduction. It might point you in the direction of uh, some other storylines you might want to try without having to you know, do the whole thing. Or of course you can, yeah, you can check out 
a lot of them, most of them on the uh, Marvel Unlimited app. And Marvel is often giving free months away anytime there's sort of a big Marvel movie or event coming out in the comics or something like that. You can find ways to get access to Marvel Unlimited on the cheap. And even, you know, the yearly plan is only, I think it's like 70 bucks for the entire year and you can just binge read everything. And that's what I do. I pay for it, even though I'm not using it every day of the year. It's like, you know, one day I might read 20 issues in a day and that kind of pays for itself right there. Yeah, I mean, what a uh, regular comic is like $4. So if it's, uh, you know, even if it's $10 a month uh, for six months old comics plus everything in the archive. It, it seems like, again, they're not paying me to say this. It seems like a pretty good deal to me. That's Same. why I subscribe <laughs> to it. Yeah. It's just one of those services where you're like, I can't believe this exists for this price point. And, you know, to bring it back to the book a little, you mentioned getting to talk with a lot of the creators of the comics throughout the years. Was there a particular creator you were really excited to speak with because you either hadn't had the chance to speak with them before or they're just one of your favorite creators. And I know with your job at Screen Crush, you probably have talked to quite a few creators, though. Well, I don't talk to uh, comic book people as much as I probably would like to. It okay. Unfortunately, that doesn't uh, happen too often. But um, I, I mean, pretty much everybody in the book, it was pretty great to, to speak with all of them. Uh, you know, if there was somebody I wasn't that excited to talk to, I probably wouldn't have interviewed them. You know, I mean, there was true. Uh, it was all people that I was um, a huge fans of. I mean, I loved talking to uh, Brian Michael Bendis and Dan Slott, talked to Jerry Conway, Roger Stern, J. Michael Straczynski, Alex Ross. Uh, I mean, there's a J.M. DeMattis, who, who also wrote the forward for the book. Yeah, I mean, it was great talking to to everyone. It was, and, and the other thing was like, um, you know, like everyone had these great stories and they were so giving with their time. And I don't know, there, it was almost like, you know, Peter Parker is like such a, you know, he's like the thing that kind of defines him is, is you know, he's like, a, he's a good guy. He's a mensch. He's a good guy. You know, like he's, you know, he screws up. Uh, as we all do, but he's, he's, he tries, he never stops trying to do the right thing. And, um, that kind of spirit, I, you know, it's like, it's not hard to see where he gets that from when you talk to the, the people that are making these books, because they kind of have that very giving, very generous spirit. Um, you know, not just giving me lots of time to talk to me, but just, you know, sharing credit whenever, always crediting, you know, this artist or this editor or whoever, you get that energy from them. You get that, that sense, uh, you get, you, you understand where it comes from. You, you know, it, like it retroactively, it makes the character and it makes the comics, yeah. uh, make even more sense when you talk to these folks, um, which was kind of interesting because you never know, you know, you, you don't know what these people are going to be like. They could be jerks. They yeah. could be mean. They could be, uh, they could be like us, you know, screw you. I don't have time to talk. But that it was like every single person I spoke with was just so uh, generous and open. And so it was really it was very rewarding in that sense as well. I think it shows you not only who these creators are as people, but how much this character has had an effect on them that even years after their runs have ended, they're still willing to take that time to talk to you to talk about this character because Spider-Man is such a prominent character in comic book history, no matter 
what company you're talking about. You know, it's one of those things where you cannot talk about comics history without talking about, you know, Spider-Man, Superman, Batman, so on and so forth. There are just characters that people kind of always know about. And like I said, you're kind of born knowing. And it's so nice to see when creators are still excited to talk about this character, even after they've spent, you know, like 10 years writing this one character or something crazy like that. Right. Yeah, it's a good point. And I think the other thing that was pretty much true of everyone I spoke to, Steve Ditko had passed away already before I got the assignment. Stanley passed away, you know, just a couple of weeks, in fact, yeah. before I got the assignment. So I didn't get to talk to them. So everyone I talked to, you know, including Jerry Conway, who was basically the first guy, and Roy Thomas, I spoke to both of them. And they were the two guys who got to write Spider-Man after Stan, the first two. First Roy for a couple of issues, and then he became the editor, and, uh, and then Jerry Conway took over after Stan came back for a little bit. But, you know, them included, and on down the line, everyone I spoke to was a, a writer or an artist, but they were a Spider-Man fan first. And mm-hmm. they could tell you really passionately what the character meant to them. You know, they, they had these very deep relationships with Spider-Man and with Peter Parker, which I get because I have one too. And so that was kind of nice to see as well, is that, you know, the feelings that I had about the character, which are really intense, you know, that they were shared by these people that made the books. And I guess that makes sense because, again, they had they grew up reading Spider-Man and taking these ideas and these lessons away from it, and it was really meaningful to them. And so when they had the opportunity to contribute to that legacy, they took it really seriously. And, you know, like you were saying, it meant that much to them that after the fact, sometimes decades later, they were mm-hmm. they were uh, willing to talk to me and talk about what the character meant to them. And then uh, and then, yeah, why they sort of took the character down the creative paths and branches that they did. Yeah, well, I can't recommend this book highly enough for all Spider-Man fans to go grab a copy. So, Matt, I don't want to take up too much more of your time. Do you have any final words on the book and sort of what you think it means for just Spider-Man fans in general? I don't think so. I mean, uh, (laughs) (laughs) what it means uh, to me is, I mean, I I have gotten some great feedback from people who have read the book or... um, shared it with their kids. People have sent me pictures of, you know, like their kids reading, reading the book, which, you know, like I said earlier, like that was part of my kind of inspiration or my goal was, was for something that I could have read, uh, and never got to read as a kid. So, you know, when, when I see people sharing, um, the book like that, that, uh, I think is really awesome. And, uh, I never get sick of that. Anyone who, uh, wants to send me that kind of feedback, those kind of pictures, I, uh, I love seeing that. And like I said, you know, the, the character, it's fun to, to kind of share the character with young people. Yeah. And so, I mean, it, it just, it's great to see that, you know, kids today, they still love <laughs> Spider-Man, even though the world is so different now than it was in 1992 and, and so different than it was in 1962, like that the core of the character still resonates to this day is, it's kind of amazing because there are so few things you know, if we we took a, a list of the most popular books, movies, you know, uh, art, television from 1962, there's not a ton of things that would continue to resonate with the audiences of 2020. 
you know, there's, I guess, James Bond. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure there's a couple of other things. Certainly some of the other uh, superheroes and comic book characters of that day are still around with us. But, you know, there's not that many things that are as relevant today or more relevant today in 2020 than they were in 1962. So the fact that Spider-Man is among those things, I think it's notable and uh, it's it's not something that one should uh, quickly dismiss. Yeah, and you have the fact that kids today can be introduced to Spider-Man in so many different ways. You know, they could be walking down the Lego aisle and see Spider-Man Legos. There are just so many different ways for someone to be introduced to the character that could ultimately lead them to being interested in the comics. And I think that is something that is really amazing. And the fact that Marvel is giving you access to all of this older stuff. So it's not just, you know, forgotten by people of different generations. That is true. You can definitely find these things uh, and find all these different uh, other products that, uh, you know, I do look upon my children enviously when they have, yeah, Spider-Man Duplos and Spider-Man, you know. I just think back about how, how hard it was to get a Spider-Man Halloween costume when I was a kid yeah. and how hideous so many of them looked. And they were like vinyl smocks with like a plastic uh, mask with like a rubber band attached to it. And like that was like cutting edge Halloween technology. And, you know, now my kids have like Spider-Man costumes with muscles, muscles built into them and all that stuff. It's like, they don't, they really are so spoiled. They don't know how good they have it. They really don't. Those jerks. <laughs> yeah, well, I think that wraps up everything that I have for you today, Matt. Thank you so much for coming on to talk about your book and a little about Spider-Man in general. Sure, it was my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Of course. And quickly, before we go, I want to let you all know that you can support Welcome to Geekdom on Patreon. You can support generally for a dollar a month, $2 a month. You'll get to pick a topic that I'll have to cover on the show. And for $5 a month, you can get access to our Slack group where you can talk to myself and some of the guests who have been on the podcast before. And you can find us on Twitter at GeekdomPod and at Welcome to Geekdom on Instagram and Facebook. As always, thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoy the rest of your day.